Welcome, everybody. It's a super-duper awesome episode. It is a great one. It is one of our special ones we do every year. We love it. We have so much fun with it. Sometimes we cheat. Sometimes we don't cheat. You won't know till the call is made this year whether somebody cheated or not. It's episode 381 of Third Shift. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Mr. Eric. And with me today is the inglorious bastard himself, Mr. Matt. He's ready. It is the Game of the Year awards for us. We give you our top seven games, okay? Top seven games this year. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what made Matt's list. I can't wait to see what made my list. I don't even know. There's, there's stuff. Who knows? I might just randomly change stuff. You don't know. You don't have a clue. I got this little sticky note here with all my games and all the things, and it might change as we're talking. I literally sat down here and went, oh, I never decided between the two. Uh, I guess they're in this order. So even as we get to it, I might go, nah, that's this, nah, that's that. Yep. So who knows? It might be anything. It could be anything. The feels could change as we talk. It, it, that's just the way this goes sometimes. You start talking, all of a sudden you're like, no, I, I love this more. That's not fair. And it changes. But with that being said, we always dive right into things, right, man? Is that what we do? We, we just dive right in. We don't mess around with nothing else. There ain't no game of the weeks this week. There ain't no talking about our lives. It was fun. Christmas was great. Hey, did you have a great Christmas, Matt? That was pretty great. Great. You had a great one. I had a great one. I hope all of you out there had a great one, too. So, of course, we'll just jump right into it. Now, I'm not saying we'd never talk about it. We could do that on the other episode because it gives us less time to talk about the things you don't want to talk about. That's true. <laughs> but for this episode, we actually did get submissions. I actually put out the call for submissions at a proper time, and we got two proper chopper submissions except for one area, and we'll get to that in a second. But we got submissions from Steve, and we got submissions from Ryan. I'll handle the Steve ones. Eric's got the Ryans. I'm going to start off with the honorable mentions. If anybody doesn't know, top five, two honorable mentions. Starting off with Steve... His first honorable mention is Starfield. He says, This game has a staggering amount of scale and content. You just start wandering around picking up side quests by overhearing people talk in the world. I quickly got lost down a rabbit hole of helping out some Martian miners, which led to me getting hired as someone's secretary so I could approve a purchase order, having to complete a performance review for my negligent boss. The depth of this random chain of side quests had me really laughing and thoroughly amused. I had a few of these experiences where you play for an hour, and then out of the blue, something is just so unexpected, you're truly impressed by the game. A big win for Game Pass, in my opinion. I haven't put as many hours as I expected into it, though, because I feel like you can't just sit down and play it for 15 minutes. You need to have at least an hour, preferably more, to dedicate and follow something through for a little while. Hey, Steve, I agree with what you're saying. I might talk more about this game later. There's his first honorable mention. What do you got from Ryan over there? All right, Mr. Ryan, he's the first one to cheat. He did it. He cheated. He has done the thing. It's all, he's already broken the whole game. Now Matt can't roll his eyes at me if I cheat. I can't roll my eyes at Matt if he cheats because Ryan did it. We're going to roll our eyes at Matt. I mean, at, yeah. Come let's on just roll our, let's no. just roll our eyes at Matt right now. Let's roll our eyes at Ryan. Come on. Let's do it. <sighs> so to do this, Ryan's two honorable mentions will be a three-pack of each. And his first set is Backpack Battles, Trouble Juice, and Witchfire, which I find hilarious because me and Matt, we're looking so forward to Witchfire and we still haven't touched it to this date. However, in our defense, I will say it is still in early release and it is not released as a full-fledged game. So we are relieved of any sort of pressure and or responsibility to have played Witchfire yet. But I will say, I did watch you play it, Ryan, and it looked really cool, it looked really fun. It was a great time. I do look forward still to checking it out. So I agree with Eric. I did watch some of that Witchfire. I watched some Trouble Juice also, a fun game. And then we're rolling into a proper person's 
honorable mentions. Rolling back into a proper person's honorable mentions. I'm going to start off with Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. And this is a game I talked about a little bit on the What You're Playing's here and there, but I don't talk about it on the show much. This is a game I play at least once a week, every single week, and I have an absolute blast playing it every single time. Because it's a rhythm game set to Final Fantasy music. And I said it when it was released, and I said it when I first played it. It's a rhythm game set to the best music ever made. Music that is tied to so many nostalgic memories and memories of friends gone by, like in the real world, and video game friends that you've spent 60 to 90 hours with. And every time I play, I get all those feels all over again. And I start off, you know, just in basic mode, just getting through it, you know, acclimating to stuff. Whereas somewhere like halfway through the year, I switched to expert mode and it became so much more engaging. Before it was just, you know, ah, rhythms and I kind of enjoy it. But now it's harder, it's more difficult. And I'm not like to the super extreme mode where it gets ridiculous, but being engaged makes that game even better. It was already fantastic, but now every time I play, I'm hooked in because I'm hooked by the gameplay also and not just the tunes. And it's just a blast all the time. And when you complete a series, you unlock a bunch more songs from that series. You can play in free mode and you usually unlock one that you play. And in the background, it's just beautiful cutscenes from the game. So all those nostalgic memories are hidden even more so. And it's just amazing. It's fantastic. I don't talk about it a lot because there's not much to say, but it's fantastic every single time. Like I said, I play it every week. If Eric and I are going to meet up to play Remnant 2 or something, I'm playing this beforehand. If I'm sitting here and have no idea what to play, but I got to play a game, Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line is what I'm playing. It can't go much higher than an honorable mention, but I play it all the time and I love it all the time. So I have to mention it on this episode. It's my first honorable mention, Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, a great game, a fantastic game. You know what? It's it's a perfect pick because it aligns right with mine. And of course, that's Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion. It is a game that last year, it came out like December 20, December 13th, December 13th last year. There was no way I was beating it, obviously, before we had our Game of the Year awards. And I did not. It didn't even get close. It carried on into February of the next year before I actually finished it all off. So here it is. And I'll tell you what, man, it was a tough one because I wanted it to be higher, but I had to sit down and really look. You know what I went? It's still old school. It still had a lot of that, hey, here's 72 quests. You know, go do a bunch of these side quests. Here's the next main mission. Go do a bunch of side quests. Here's the next main mission. So there was nothing like, oh, my God, wow, this is insane. But the gameplay of it was so much fun. Zach, he's just such a carefree, cool dude, wants to have fun. And then seeing his perspective on everything and, and the lead up to how Sephiroth, you know, became Sephiroth and, and who was involved with Sephiroth, getting all that backstory that I'd never gotten because I'd never had the uh, the PSP or anything was fantastic. It blew my mind. And then on top of it, it tied it all in to what's going to be happening in Rebirth. And they made it that way. They did that on purpose to make sure that everything's going to tie in perfectly. So if you played this game, you're going to have a much greater understanding of what's going to happen in Rebirth and how things go down. So that was just so much more Final Fantasy VII lore. That was in my belly, having such a good time. I loved every little bit of it. I wanted to put higher, but just because of some of the old school ways of it, that it played, it just it couldn't get up there. It just couldn't get up there. There's too much other stuff that deserved some talking and deserved a little place but i do have to give the shout out right here to you what a great game and especially since matt it lasted this long i remembered it this long in my memory 
since I played that sucker since December through February. Usually, if it ain't great, I don't even know I played it. It's out. I'm out. I played that game. Oh, cool, great. So the fact that you did it, good on you. I hope everybody that gets the rebirth has played this because they're gonna be confused if they haven't. So do your thing, do your homework, get ready for rebirth, and play some Crisis Core. It's still on my list. It's still on my dresser in the pile of games that I got to get to. So rolling on into the next honorable mention from Steve. I can't read this one. It's been requested that you read this one, Eric. So I'm sending it to you in Discord right now. Please read it off verbatim. No, I don't want to read this one. Yeah, read it. There you go. You don't know what it is. No, okay. Make him read on the air. No. Yep. Hey, here's a great one from Steve, everybody. Placid Plastic Duck Simulator. We've all had that common dream of having a video game where the only thing you do is watch plastic ducks float around a pool. You can't move them. You can't change them. You can't actually affect the game at all. You can only change the camera angle and make them quack. This is the true pinnacle of gaming, a game that plays itself. Thanks, Steve. I can't disagree. I can't disagree. What a gamer. That's the pinnacle of gaming. What a gamer. You're out there. You're changing (laughs) the world. You're really gaming. You are gaming. You know what? I hope tonight while you're sleeping, I hope a little cricket gets in your sock and just goes, and you can't figure it out, and all night long you can't sleep. That's what I hope for you. That's your punishment. That's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. So, you know what? It worked out. It worked out well on both ends. And you know what? I'll I'll take over and say Ryan Peterson's next three-pack of honorable mentions, Usagi Shima, Automatoys, and Marvel Snap. I have watched him play some Marvel Snap. It is one of those games that I've talked about it since it launched. I always wanted to get into, but I never have the time to put another game, even though it's free to play and you can just do it whenever, never have the time to put it on the table. But it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of Gwent style, you know, that kind of a thing. So I don't know much about the other ones. So there you go. That's his honorable mentions at that point. Fantastic. Now, proper chopper over here, Mr. Mr. Eric's got one for you. All right. And this is where the trouble started. This is where you really had to start digging deep. And the two I have up next, they flip-flopped over and over and over and over again. But I'm landing here, and I'm stalling for time just to make sure. Just just get the feels out real quick. But I think I'm going to do it. Avalanche's Hogwarts Legacy, number six. This game was incredible. I had so much fun. Huge open world unbelievable if you love harry potter like harry potter this is a candy land for you you're in there and you're just living that life you are a student at hogwarts you're going out to the towns you're solving mysteries you're going on adventures you're, you're just doing all sorts of sub side quests getting your brooms made having all you know not quidditch matches but little races with your broom and doing all that because they promised the quidditch thing in a whole separate game but i haven't seen that that's a whole other side story it doesn't matter Still disappointed, though. I was really hoping to play Quidditch. Maybe that's why it doesn't get onto the five. Maybe that's it. I don't get to play Quidditch, so you have to pay the price, Hogwarts. But I'll tell you, I had such a good time. The characters you meet are all endearing, all fun. Some of them have a very, very, very gloomy, bad backstory, and it doesn't turn out all right for everybody. And that's what I really liked. I liked how, even though you're students here at Hogwarts, as everybody knows, if you've read the books, Stuff can go awry. Sometimes things don't work out and students get lost, students get killed, stuff happens. That happened here, and I really enjoyed that whole thing. I ho- and just the whole story in general. I don't even like open worlds, and that should say something. The fact that I played this and got all the way through it, 
it's just a testament to how in it I was and how much I really enjoyed the world of Harry Potter that they created against all odds. Because let's be real, everybody under the sun wanted to hate the game. There was all the drama and the politics and the bullcrap. And it still sold more than any other game, period, except for Call of Duty. So, you know what? Props to you, Avalanche. I'm so happy that you did what you did and you stuck to your guns and you got that game out. It was fantastic. Really, really good. Deserves all the props that it gets, which is almost none, but it deserves them anyway. I'm glad that you're in the same boat as I did, because this is the spot, this and number five, that I had blank, and I had no idea which which way to do it. And I think I decided to put this in my honorable mentions, just because I feel I haven't put enough time into it. Now, I've put hours upon hours upon hours into this game, but I haven't even scratched the surface. And that is Starfield. And everything Steve said about it in his honorable mention, 100% right. And that's what I loved when I first jumped in. It's just every town you wander through, every setting you go through, every planet you land on, you go there with one quest in mind. And by the time you walk to that quest, you have like three or five more in your journal. And you always have stuff to do, no matter where you go. Not all of it is the best, but some of it is very cool. And even the stuff that isn't the biggest, what I really, really appreciate about this game is the small stuff. I think I picked up one mission to go to the moon of Titan, one of Saturn's moons. Landed on it, went to do the mission, and I went, what's this outpost about? Oh, they made this little tourist spot. You can go on a guided tour of this tourist spot. They have an NPC that you pay to go on this tour with. And as you're going through the tour, he takes you to all these different places and explains the backstory and all the stuff, how this works. And the tour starts and ends at a museum. And you can go to all the different displays and read the history and why these things are here, what this rock represents here, what this is for, what person used this to do this. And this is also the settlement where you get the big tardigrade costume. You get the big silly mascot costume to scare off the tourists because the lady doesn't like the tourists being on the planet. This could have just been one outpost where you go and talk to one NPC to complete that quest and you leave. But instead, there's two to three to four quests in there that you can do. Tons of unique NPCs with unique stories, unique backstories. Fun, crazy quests I would have never thought of. Who would have thought you'd get in a mascot costume and run around in this game spooking people? That's what I love about this game, is no matter where you go, there's always something to do. A lot of it is always unexpected. And there's the small things. Even in Aquila City, there's another museum you can go to and read all the exhibits and all the displays and stuff. And then on top of this, all that stuff, RPG stuff, shooting mechanics, looting the bodies and doing all the RPG stuff. Oh yeah, you can also buy ships. There's tons of ships you can buy. And then you can build the ships. Module by module, you could pull your ship apart like a little Lego thing and customize every single little bit of it. I haven't even scratched the surface with that. When I figured out how to pull stuff apart, I went, oh, this is, oh, there's too much here. And it's in there. This giant universe you can go through. Quests, gear, characters. Also, we included a giant shipbuilder. Oh, also, the outpost system we put in, where you can, I don't even know how to describe it. It's mind-blowing the amount of stuff you can do. You can automate an entire galaxy-wide assembly line to automate and make things. You've heard me talk about it before. It's absolutely crazy. I've sunk hours upon hours just into that on the most simple version of it. And all my outposts still look like dirt. But you can customize those outposts all kinds of different ways. So they already made this amazing giant galaxy, this amazing 
RPG, this amazing shipbuilder, this amazing outpost builder, this amazing automation machine. You can do so much stuff in this game. It's ridiculous. And for it to not be on people's game of the year list and be on some like worst game of the year list, it's unacceptable. And I'm sad that it's only in my honorable mentions. Now I want to flip-flop it, but it's too late because I already said it. It's Starfield and it's fantastic. I have to go back to it and sink 10,000 more hours into it because it's great. It's awesome. It's amazing. It blows my mind every time I think about it. It's crazy. And there it is, everybody. The honorable mentions are over. We are now entering the actual top five of the year. Top five of the year. Let's get stoked. Let's get ready. Let's get it on. Let's start with Ryan Peterson. Number five, Viewfinder. He says, I wish they explored mechanics rather than just introducing them, but moving around 3D photos is still mind-blowingly cool. I did not play this one. I have no idea what he's talking about, but it sounds cool. It sounds amazing because I also have heard Matt talk about it some. So there you go. That's a great pick, my friend. Great pick. This is a stream I didn't drop into because I didn't want to get spoiled too much, but I still haven't played it, but it's on my list. I have to play it next year. Maybe I'll make it one of my games that I have to play next year. But dropping back over to Steve, his number five is Vampire Survivors. He writes, this game is so addicting. It's an infinite shooter where your character is constantly spamming out attacks as you're endlessly swarmed by hordes. You're running around regularly leveling up and always making decisions about how you want to upgrade your character. It's like the leveling up of an RPG crammed into a quick 15-minute roguelite because you'll inevitably die and start all over. The upgrades are really satisfying, and you can tell it was developed by someone who worked in the casino business because those jackpot vibes are very present. I 100% agree with you, Steve. I played it a ton at the beginning of this year, I believe, or maybe it was last year. I don't know. But I was hip deep in Vampire Survivors. It was all over the place. Man, if I played it this year... Oh, did I forget about that and not put it on this? Oh, holy crap. No. Hey, that's a great game and a great pick, Steve. I, I, I have nothing else to say about it. I agree, Steve. I've seen so many people playing Vampire Survivors. It looks like so much fun. Definitely a good pick. And I'm going to continue on with the good pick line with my number five. And that's Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Coming in at number five, man, oh, man. The relationship between Cal, Seer, Marin, BD-1, Boda, or Bode, I don't know why I call him Boda, but I always did. His name's Bode. Awesome. Just awesome. And, of course, don't forget Grizz. But, you know, Grizz was kind of annoying, so whatever. That team, and just the way they interact, especially, of course, if you played the previous one and then into this one, what a relationship they had. And just to see how it furthers in this game was fantastic. There's a couple moments with Seer in this one. Mind-blowingly cool. Think, uh, think what Rogue One in uh, Star Wars Rogue One, the movie, you're going to get a picture of what I'm talking about in your head. Amazing. Simply fantastic. And then the fact that I cared about Cal and Marin and their relationship, and it was just so cool just to see them coming back together. And they knew where they stood with each other, but they weren't, like, in a rush to do something crazy or you know, be anything, really, because they know that any day they could die. It's just the nature of the beast of the thing. But how they work together and how they kind of just melded together along this journey, fantastic. A plus. I will say I was a little sad with, uh, you know, the baddie and how that all went down and everything else in the story. It just didn't need to go that way. It was one of those moments me and man always talk about where you're like, why, why did you do that? It, it didn't make sense. You didn't have to do that. You could have had everything you wanted and still been all right. But instead, you're just like, nah, I just can't. I just can't. 
because I because I already had this plan, so I have to follow through. So I won't say more than that. But that was like the only part of this game that bugged me. Everything else, fantastic. The puzzles, great, but not complicated. Like to where you're sitting there having to Google every five minutes. Oh, where do I go? How do I solve this puzzle? I hate when games do that. Yeah, it means I'm probably stupid, but I don't like it when I'm just sitting there dumbfounded for an hour or two and then finally have to give up and look it up. I like it when I'm challenged for five to ten minutes and then I go, oh, I'm stupid. I see. I see that over there. All I had to do was move this to that. And then I went, this game does that. This game does a really good job of keeping you confused for a few minutes, but not long. As long as you look around and take your time, you'll find out and figure out every single puzzle this game has to offer. And then it has my favorite thing, the fake exploration. Like, the areas are huge, but they're very focused. You know, you you know what track you got to go down. You know what you're doing. And it feels big and open, but it's not. You're just traversing down the different areas and doing what you need to do to get to the area you're supposed to be at. Now, they do have a couple areas that are actually open world, and you can kind of go wherever you want, but there's always the big stars by the three, you know, two, three main quests or whatever it is, and then your side quests. And then other than that, the other worlds are just focused, keep you on track, and I enjoy that type of gameplay. So all in all, being somebody who loves Star Wars, being somebody who loves the relationships, and, of course, the fake open-worldness, great puzzles, what a good game. You know, I, I know it got some uh, flack early on with the... Uh, the latency and issues like that, and there, I think there are bugs too. But once again, I don't, I, I don't know how I get around this, but I never encounter any of these issues. I almost never do. I, I go, oh, it was fun for me. I had a great time. I don't doubt anybody's having those issues. Obviously, a lot of people are mad about it, so I get it. But for me, it was great, and therefore, you know what? It got over Hogwarts and was on the number five. My number five is a game that I could not stop playing. It's a game that every time I got home. I would pull out my Steam Deck, I would go lay on the bed, belly down, feet kicking, toes wiggling, and I would play this game. And then I would look up, and it'd be 11.30 at night, and I'd go, oh crap, I, I gotta go to sleep. But let me do one more mission, though. And I'm talking about Marvel's Midnight Suns. And whatever other people have to say about it, like not liking the depictions of the characters and all this other stuff, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the lighter take on these goofy characters because you're in that abbey all the time with them. If everybody was just stern and serious and arguing and fighting all the time, it wouldn't be any fun. But instead, you're here with these cool characters. You're having a lighthearted, mostly fun time, even though it's end of the world type of scenario. Your interactions with them are fun and light. And it feels like you're hanging out with your friends. And then you go into combat and you have this deck building system. You know, it's not really cards, but your abilities are all tied to the cards. All the things you do are tied to the cards. And you start, and it's hard, because you don't have many cool abilities. And it's like, oh man, is this game going to be brutal? Is it going to be like tough and I'm not going to like it? And after every mission, you get new cards. After every mission, you have the ability to upgrade new cards. And you know, you're swapping between heroes, you're bringing them here and there and everywhere. And oh man, I really like the way she works, but she actually works well with him. So I'm going to bring both of them on this turn. And then every time you bring the hunter in, then your friendship with them grows. And as your friendships levels up with each of these heroes, they unlock new powers and new cards and new abilities. And before you know it, you have a deck, an enormous deck of cards for all these characters. You can only bring a certain number of those cards from that character's deck into battle with you. So now you're picking and you're choosing and you're going, okay, well, I know every time I use this, it generates that and I can get this card that plays off of that, that does this other thing that then she can grab and start working with. 
And your mind just explodes with all these possibilities and all these amazing things you can do with every single character. And even characters you didn't like, you start figuring out their play style because it's just so much fun. When you're playing the game, it is an absolute blast. I put in like 100 hours into this game, and most of it was just playing random BS battles. Regular battles out there that weren't advancing the story doing anything. Because it allowed me to upgrade cards and get more cards. Do this and do that and do this. And make better friends with these characters and have fun conversations with them. This game was amazing. It sucked my whole soul away when I was playing it. For like months at a time, however long it took. Until I finally hit that wall where I wasn't unlocking anything new anymore. Because I'd unlocked everything. Even with all the DLC characters too. And I had to finish it. And if you listened to the Whatcha Playing, where I talked about finishing this, I had the perfect ending scenario. And I'll, I'll spoil just a little bit of it, because you're making friends with all these characters. So in the ending, your best friends are the ones you beat the game with. Who else would you want to be with other than your best friends? And you save the world. And my ending was 100% more epic because of another thing that I won't even spoil, but... All the characters, their interactions, even if you don't love that, you have to respect that the combat in this game is so much fun. And you don't just play a card. You play a card, and the character gathers energy and blasts stuff, and you're knocking Hydra dudes into explosive barrels, which explode and then knock them over here into another person. The combat is so dynamic and so fun. And thinking about it now, I want to go back and play it all over again. Because, like I said, those character decks are so huge. Your possibilities for combat with these characters, they're almost endless. Like, I can go play with Captain Marvel in a way I totally never even did on my first playthrough. It's deep, it's fun, it's rewarding, it's engaging. Marvel's Midnight Suns, it had to have a spot on the list somewhere. It's my number five this year. Great pick. Great number five. That's a game I'd love to play. And we'll go over to Ryan Peterson, okay? He, at his number four, folks, is going with... Street Fighter 6, and he says, I've hardly touched the campaign, but still had a ton of fun just punching people as Marissa. And you know what? I've watched you punch people as Marissa, right? Mm -hmm. And it looked like a ton of fun. In fact, that game looks phenomenal. It looks amazing. The characters are so beautiful. Everything's so fast and fluid. But I got the rule I don't play fighting games no more, so I didn't get to touch it. But I know my buddy Matt did. I know he played some. I absolutely did play it. I played the world tour mode, though. I don't play ranked like Ryan Peterson does. I've been watching your streams, too, dude. Ranked online is too much for me. Here's another thing that I appreciate with Street Fighter VI. It's that game where people can play totally different characters and totally different things that you vibe with. I don't vibe with at all. So I love watching his streams because he plays grapplers. I've never been a grappler. that I can't do it. And he'll say he's not very good with them. But you're a damn sight better than I do. You can actually beat people. So watching that, I'm like, man, this game is so cool from a different level. It's so good. And rolling back up to our buddy Steve, his number four is Agents of Mayhem. He writes, This is bittersweet as Volition, the studio who built it, shut down while I was playing this game. It's an open-world Saints Row, but instead of being serious, it's comical and easygoing. The gameplay was fun and reminded me a lot of Crackdown. There were the usual collectibles and achievements that you would expect. While there wasn't anything particularly unique about this game, it was a nice blend of a lot of other games and a good time with some entertaining story. And I agree with you, Steve. I pre-ordered this game. I played it on launch day. I 100% beat it. I platinumed it. It was a lot of fun. Like you said, it wasn't anything mind-blowing or anything to, you know, knock your socks off. I don't think I even had it on my game of the year list that year, but a good solid 
fun time from a studio that's no longer with us. Thanks, you just ruined my day again by reminding me of that. Show's over. That's it. You don't get anything else. That's it. Oh. Well, Matt left, but I'm going to go ahead and continue on anyway and give you my number four at the very least, everybody. And that is the Dead Space remake by EA Redwood Shores. What a fantastic game. All right? Let me tell you, I already love Dead Space, so I was already going to be in love with this. I already knew. It wasn't going to be a question. There was no doubt about it. But stepping back onto that ship, oh, the Ishimura, and just how beautiful it was, the sound, the lighting, the effects, I instantly was back on board. And then on to just top it off, they didn't even have to do this, but they rewrote the characters and what they say because Isaac now talks, so he has a voice, and he's going back and forth with these characters, which just brings you that much further into the game because now he's saying stuff and he's actually interacting with them instead of just the weird issue where, I don't understand what's happening. Why would this guy never say, yeah, sure, I'll head to the engine room and take care of this problem? He does that now. And so, of course, everybody has been redone. And then they went, you know what, we'll take it a little bit further. Let's surprise everybody. They changed up some of the rooms. They changed up some of the dialogue. They changed up some of the events here and there. And on top of that, they went, well, let's add this new feature system that, like, takes chunks off the necromorphs and stuff. And you can actually viscerally see them falling apart as you're shooting them and hitting them. That's not it. We'll also have this dynamic AI system that gauges how scared you are. Have you been messed with lately? Have you not been messed with lately? He seems pretty calm. His gait in the game, he seems like he's not really panicked or worried. Then they just go, you know what, just throw stuff at him. All of a sudden, necromorphs popping out of pipes, running up the hallways where they never ran up hallways before, where they never came out of pipes before. This was just so cool. And then on top of it, it's like, hey, you know what? Your next playthrough won't be this because, like I said, they got the CIA system. It'll be totally different as to where these necromorphs are coming from and what's going on. And there were times, I got to tell you, that I think they were on some crazy drugs. They must have thought I was bored out of my mind because I would be in a room and I'd start walking, all of a sudden, they would send me like 9 to 10 necromorphs at the same time. And I'm like, what is this? I'm wasting <laughs> all my ammo to get rid of these things. And I was like, this is completely unnecessary. I was just looking for the stupid notes I needed to move on. And you're acting like, oh, he's bored. Let's go ahead and just make him waste everything. Now I'm running around, going back to the stupid cases I hadn't touched, trying to restock ammo, get everything back so because I'm a psychopath. I, don't, I cannot be low on ammo. That just... It drives me absolutely insane, and I don't like it. So I have to keep in stock. But beyond that, beyond that little gripe of them kind of being weird sometimes with the offload of the Necromorphs, spot on. Love that game. Loved it the first time. I love it this time. They really took the game, and they put the care that was needed into it to make it a Game of the Year contender. It really sucks that it kind of didn't get it you know, on many people's lists that I've heard of or seen of this year. I feel like it was one of those that was just too far back, got got overridden by a lot of other great games, don't get me wrong, but it just still stinks. I wish it gotten a couple more shines here and there, at least for like, you know, the optics and things like that. Now you want to talk about a game that got overlooked for the Game of the Year stuff, that's my number four. And it dovetails in nicely with your Dead Space remake talk about getting back into something that you loved. Because earlier in the year, I played Marvel Spider-Man Remastered and fell in love with that game. And... Years ago now, at this point, I played Spider-Man Miles Morales and fell in love with that character. So imagine my delight when Marvel Spider-Man 2 dropped this year. I had it pre-ordered. I got it. I was ready. I was ready for Venom. I was ready for the stuff. 
but I wasn't ready for how much better the visuals, the, the gameplay, the smoothness of this game was, even from those amazing games that I had played. You know, the newest one was a couple years ago. But when I got into the city, I think you hear it on my stream, I go, whoa, I can't believe how good this city looks. You swing over to the first boss fight, which is the giant fight against Sandman. I can't believe how epic this is. I can't believe how great this game was just overall, as a whole. Everything that I wanted from this game, more action, more open world stuff, more set pieces, more Miles Morales, I got it in this game. All the big stuff, it did exceptionally well. I talked about it. You can hear it on the streams. Every combat encounter, unless you're just fighting like random dumb thugs on the street, it's intense because you, you, normally you go up in the air in the first couple games, you kind of pull enemies up with you and it's easy. No, when you're fighting the hunters, when you're fighting the symbiotes later, when you're fighting any of these enemies, they're up in the air chasing you down, attacking you, like swinging by, doing all this crazy stuff that was not in the first two at all. So every combat encounter is so tense and so wild and you're using every single tool at your disposal and the boss fights are big and they're epic and the storyline is big and epic and all this other stuff. So the big stuff, it does it so well. But it does the little things well too. Like everybody knew when you play Spider-Man Remastered or the first one, you know who Venom is going to be. You do. We all knew it was going to be Harry. So when Harry shows up in this game, my brain, I know what's going to happen, brain. It went, oh, well, how long is it going to be before he turns evil? What's he going to start doing? But every interaction you have with him, it makes you love this character. His interactions with Peter, they're long-lost friends coming back with each other. Even though you know something bad's going to happen, it's so well done. You know, there's the scene of Coney Island with him and MJ. And you can go through and just play Coney Island games. You can hang out with both of them. You can make the scene last as long as you want. And every single thing is written so well. It feels like three friends getting together after a long time. And it just brings all those feelings out in you, the, in you, the player. Then when Harry gets the first bits of the black suit and you're going around with him, I was thinking about this earlier today, and it still put a smile on my face. When you're the Spider Pals doing that mission... It feels so good, and it feels so right and so nice that it does make it heartbreaking when bad stuff happens and the story takes the turn. But they didn't have to make it that good, and they did. And another small thing that they got right that I haven't mentioned anywhere else, I don't think. When you're playing as Miles, there's a side story specifically to Miles. It's a music museum is robbed by some goons, and they make off with all these famous instruments and stuff. And so you have a couple missions to go and get the instruments back. But when you complete that side story, that little storyline, the museum opens up and they have a gala. And you as Miles get to walk through that museum and look at all these exhibits and read the stories of the actual real human beings in the real world, these real jazz musicians, and what they did, you know, their impact on the music world, on the real world. They didn't have to do that at all. They made this. You could tell people love this game. You could tell it's a labor of love for that, that neighborhood, that old school jazz Harlem feel. It was perfect. So many things about this game are so well done, but what sticks with me will always be the little stuff. Hanging out with Harry, hanging out with MJ, walking through that museum as Miles, and hearing him as I'm in my head going, 
oh, I had no idea that she was actually, you know, a spy on the front lines. And he goes, oh, wow, she had a lot more stuff than I've ever heard about. I'm learning stuff from this game about real people who lived, whose stories are going away now. Who knows? So it was just a fantastic ride. For the big things, the big moments, when Venom showed up, I titled that export on my YouTube channel, The Greatest Day of My Life. Amazing. Big, bombastic, epic, but the small things are really good too. Marvel Spider-Man 2, I'll always remember it. For the big things and for the small things, it's on my list. It's only number four this year, which makes me sad, but it's here and it deserves its props. There it is, folks. We've got the fours in the bucket now. Moving on to threes, and we'll start it off with Ryan Peterson, who put Super Mario Wonder as his number three title. And he says it's a bit on the easy side, except for a second to last level that gave me a ton of trouble. But there is a ton of joy packed into the game. And you know what? The kids got this for Christmas, and the dollar's already in World 3. So I can tell you, it's a win, because if they don't like something, it drops off real quick and it's never touched again. So I can't wait. I am so stoked to play this game. I've seen lots of gameplay of it. You've just said that was wonderful and amazing. So... There's no way I'm not checking this title out. What a good pick. Can't wait to play it myself. Absolutely. 100% agree with it. I can't wait to play that. And I also can't wait to play, at some point, Steve's number three, which is Atlas Fallen. He writes, This action RPG had a few unique, at least to me, mechanics that made it stand out and hook me to play it all the way through. Most of the world is covered in sand, so you glide around almost skating over the surface, making traversal pretty fun. In combat, you have a momentum meter that as you land attacks and avoid being hit, activates more and more abilities and buffs over time. Not only do you have the strategy outside of battle of arranging which abilities you want at which part of the meter, but in battle, you're making trade-off calls about when to spend your momentum and when to save it for a higher ability. It makes it so that even a single encounter changes as the battle wages on, making for a really engaging combat experience. God, that sounds really good. They also had some really satisfying feedback bits, like unlocking an anvil for travel with a meaty punch from your gauntlet that just felt right. The story was alright, but really predictable. Otherwise, this game was great. Uh, that sounds awesome. I never heard even half of that awesome stuff, so I can't wait to play this at some point in the future. Yep, I remember long ago talking about this game and watching some gameplay for it. Looked great, wanted to play it, slipped right by me. Steve, good pickup on you. Glad to see that somebody saw it, somebody played it. Hopefully, me and Mac can make it to it, too. Good pick. And, of course, I'm keeping the good picks rolling, too. You know what? We're going with number three. That's Sea of Stars, Mr. Matt. It is coming in at number three. A fantastic title. Matt hated it. He did not like this game. He thought it was poop. I don't know what happened or where the disconnect was. But I'll tell you what, Valir, Zale, Solstice Warriors, trying to grow up, figure out their spot in this world and where they need to stand and what they need to do to make everything work. Their buddy Garl with them by their side the entire time. And you watch them grow. You watch them go on this adventure that isn't always grand. It isn't always pleasant. Good things don't always happen. Sometimes they do. It's an RPG. That's the way this goes. But throughout it, the colors are vibrant. The music is just pumping. Every tune in every town and every overworld area is fantastic. You can't stop just mm, jamming to the beat, going with it, having such a good time. The combat mechanics, you actively participating with all your special skills. Not not the craziest thing in the world. We've seen it done before, but it's fun. It's just a good time. It adds that little extra oomph to it all. 
the inspiration that Sabotage took from, you know, games of the past and brought here to the to the now with the technology we have, they do it well every time. And man, they deserve all the props that they've gotten. They deserve more than enough oohs to get the next game out the door that they want to make. I can't say it enough. Siri, like awesome character. The storyline with her and how everything plays out, totally sweet. Totally like, oh man, I thought you were going one way with this, and then you flipped it and did a whole nother thing too. So good. So much fun. Then of course the big bad. Now that all plays out. I got the bad ending, man. I got the bad ending. Because to get the good ending, you've got to get every last conch in the game. And then you have to get every last summer rather. And I went, oh my god, I don't want to do that. Because again, it gets you a whole side screen with another character who gives you this other quest to do a thing. So I'll forever be marred by that. I'll forever be marred by the fact that the game made it 10, 15 hours extra that I just didn't want to do. Because I'd already sunk a ton of time into this. So for that reason, maybe it would have been higher. Maybe it would have been two. Definitely would have been one, but maybe it would have been two. But still, a fantastic game. If you love RPGs and you love old school stuff, definitely at least give this one a go. I was trying to think before you said your number three, because I know my number three is going to be later on your list, and I was hoping it would be here, but you said see you stars. My number three is Final Fantasy sixteen. I, I see the pained expression on your face. <sighs> I know. <laughs> but this game starts off on the highest of notes. It starts off in one of those icon battles. The beginning here and every single one after it just blows your socks clean off. Like, obviously, we've, we've had big encounters in Final Fantasies before, but especially from my experience, they're all 2D. They're all side-on. Now, you are Ifrit, or you are, I think in the first one, you're Phoenix, and you're trying to fight off Ifrit, and you're seeing the giant swaths of destruction that these summons actually create. It's mind-blowing, and it's set to... The best music, the absolute best, the most epic, the most grand, the most Final Fantasy music there has ever been. And it blows you away. And I've said it before, I play it on this nice big 1440p, 144 hertz monitor. And so many times during these icon battles, I was just looking up at the monitor with my jaw open, my eyes wide. Oh my God, look at the stuff that I'm experiencing. The Titan battle the Bahamut battle, everything in the icon battles was so incredible and so mind-blowing. And then you go back to the actual game, and every single vista, every single place you go, it's mind-blowingly, jaw-droppingly beautiful on its own. And every single tune in the game, it gets you pumped, or it gets you sad, or it gets you melancholy, it gets you excited, whatever it's supposed to be. The music is incredible. The graphics are incredible. The fighting system is so much fun. I normally don't do combat challenges in games, but when I got into the chrono list, when I found the first one, I went, I need to find every single one of these because it's a specialty timed challenge that makes you use all of your abilities in all these icon sets and makes you use things you've never used before. It's awesome. The only things that put it a little bit further down the list are this is the first time I've ever asked you on air, Eric, is this game too easy? It is. And it's not a bad, bad thing, but it just takes you out when you're having this amazing, crazy boss battle and you're just moseying through it. And the ending, it was disappointing to me. So I will say this game is like if you're going on a trip and 
a limo driver picks you up at your door. You get in that limo, you go to the airfield, and you're flying on the Concorde, and you're going to all these amazing places with all these amazing sights, and you go, God, what a ride! How's this going to end? And they fly into the desert, and they just land on an airfield, and they just drop you off and go, all right, see you later. But overall, a fantastic experience. Even the things I didn't like about it that much, like I always say, they're fading away. The bright spots are standing out really high. The icon battles, the combat system, the graphics, the music. Final Fantasy XVI is phenomenal. I started up that Final Fantasy difficulty playthrough, and I said, this is what it should have been. This is what I want. But it's still a fantastic game. It's still my number three this year. Hey, don't worry. There's uh, DLC out for it right now, and there's going to be more that's later, man. So maybe you'll get another taste. Maybe you'll be like, oh, I changed my mind. But that's so far away. We've got to get to Ryan Peterson's number two, and that is Tears of the Kingdom, folks. Number two. So many great additions to the series, and I really enjoyed the Sky Islands and the Underground. I know all about what you're talking about, Ryan, and it all sounds great. I really hope you enjoyed yourself. I know Matt played this one, too. Had such a great time with this thing. By golly, that's a good pick. I can't argue it. I understand how good this game is. I will just be sad, though. But Enjoy what you enjoyed. Have such a wonderful time, and it deserves a spot there. Yeah, I agree. It's a game that I I got into, but not as much as I want to, so I'm going to try and put it on the list for next year to actually finish and complete it. And now back to Steve's list, and his number two is Hogwarts Legacy. Hey, I didn't spoil it earlier when you mentioned it. He writes, This game lived up to the hype. It had attention to detail and depth in spades, and whether or not you care about the Harry Potter world, there was a lot of fun to be had here. I think they balanced really well having an approachable game for the masses that was just barely challenging enough to not get brushed aside. Casting spells in combat was fun, but exploring the world and ticking off all the various collectibles was my favorite part of this game. Hey, this is a game that's so good, even I, Matt, the person who doesn't follow or care about Harry Potter at all, I bought this game because it looks like a beautiful open world with some fun collectibles and a traversal system and all that stuff. So even I'm interested in it. Let me just say, Steve, everything you said, you're right. You, it, 100% a wonderful game. So glad you enjoyed the heck out of it just like I did. I really hope more people come around, which they have because, you know what, the game sold bajillions of copies. So regardless of what others say, we're all out there. We've played this game. We enjoyed the heck out of it. And you're right, just getting into those towns and finding all those cool little unlockables and the little just notes and pieces of Harry Potter lore and history. What a good time. So much fun. Love that game. And of course, with that being said, it's my number two, man. Here it is. It's my number two. And uh, this could have went anyway. It really could have. And I still don't know. Maybe, I don't know. It's a tough one. But uh, oh, well, we're sticking with it. Alan Wake 2 from Remedy what? is my number two game of the year. Now, this blows Matt's mind, and it blows my own mind, because here's why. What do I always tell you? Do I play games twice, almost ever? I don't. Am I playing Alan Wake 2 again? I am. So already it should be number one, because that's the rule. I, I'm playing this game again. I, don't do, I just don't do that. I don't do it. I don't have time for it. But I, I have to, because I have to get the extra little bits, the extra little pieces, that extra little ending that's going to tell me what I need to know for the next control. I have to. It's the Remedy's world that's in my blood. And I'm talking this up like it should already be number one. Oh, I, sh- I don't know. Ah, It's too tough, man. It's too hard. I don't know. I thought for sure this was your number one. 
I know, you know, but here's the deal. There's parts in this game that do get annoying. There's there's a couple parts here and there that I get frustrated with that I feel like are not impossible by any means, but just difficult and annoying. Like, unnecessarily so. They'll throw a bunch of baddies at you in a way you haven't seen or, or had, you know, before coming, and all of a sudden you're dying like eight, nine times before you figure out how to do it. Once again, I don't mind challenge, but I don't like it when I'm just like, what in the holy hell? We just went from DEFCON this to DEFCON this. When 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 did this jump come? And then it'll jump back down. And so then you're confused. You get complacent again, and then they'll do it again. So little spikes in the difficulty like that can be problematic. And then there's a couple puzzles that were just really didn't give you any clues, any hints, anything. You're just standing there staring like, I don't know what to do. So did I have to cheat on like two puzzles throughout the game? I did. So that those little tiny bits kind of just, it's like, no, this is a great game. Great game. But maybe that's what brought it down in the end, but I still don't know about it. But I'll tell you this, man. Whoo, Saga Anderson and Alex Casey and their adventure together, Alan Wake and his adventure in his own little world and how it all melds together, comes together. Unbelievably awesome. Unbelievably good. Every visual in this game, so fantastic. The music, especially the end of chapters, Ooh, man, I would put those suckers on replay over and over again. I just sit there like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. I don't even need to play the game. I'll just listen to this song for about 45 minutes, and I'll go to bed. I'm happy. I'm right where I need to be. But the fact that they've got it in the game and then moments where they're playing and doing this and some of the stuff they do with the old gods of Asgard and the band and how they intermesh things, and then there's a whole scene that everybody always talks about, blows your mind. Totally, totally goes ahead and, and compares itself with uh, Control's big scene in this game. So for that reason, it was hands down number two at least, but it definitely competed for the number one. And who knows, maybe I made the bad call, but I got to go with what I went with. So you stick it at number two, Alan Wake 2. You're great. I love you. If you don't play this game, you're a fool. That's what Gandalf would say, and I'm saying it too. Now, I talked about my number three being a limo ride to the airport to go traverse the world, but it ends on a bad note. My number two game starts on a bad note. You walk out the door, and somebody's picking you up in their rusted out, busted van, but they do take you to the airport, and you go see these sites, and then especially when you finish the game and you go to the DLC, they go, oh yeah, by the way, would you like to go to space and see everything? Number two for me this year is Forspoken. And it's not a meme pick. I am 100% serious with this because, I mean, it, it's been shown now. I am the guy who loves the big open world games, the beautiful open world games, especially when they have an amazing traversal system. And that's what this game has in spades. The whole world, it's desolate, but it's beautiful. Everywhere you go, it looks incredible. And you get to go there with the best traversal system I've ever seen in any game. The little magic like sprint that you get to do, that you get to upgrade, so you're just blasting through these crazy areas. You get the little surfboard for when you're going on water. You get to hook things and jump up. You get so many cool abilities. They need to make a Flash game, DC's The Flash, or some kind of superhero game that has this kind of traversal mechanics. Because the gameplay in Forspoken is incredible. It's beautiful. 
You get different colors and different versions of magic. When you start playing around with, okay, I know there's an airborne enemy, so I'm going to set down this out of Frey's abilities, then I'm going to switch over to Silas' abilities, and I'm going to switch over to Olas', and now I'm going to go to Prof's. You can do so many crazy things with the magic in this game and have certain things happening over here and over here, and when you charge up your ultimate abilities, especially when you can level those up to level 3, you are just blasting enemies in the most fun, frenetic crazy ways imaginable is the storyline all that great especially to start out with not really it's presented in such a jankety way when you start the game it starts off on such a wrong foot once you get past that and you get out into the world and start learning those new magical abilities you can start upgrading your combat you can upgrade your traversal it's like nothing else it's it's literally like nothing else thinking about it again to put it on this list i went man god i could I don't want to play the whole game over again, but I want to reload my save from before the final boss, and I want to just blitz through that world. Because that was the most fun I've had with almost anything, like in a gameplay sense, this year. Running around, finding a little group of enemies. I don't even need to fight enemies because they don't give you that many rewards, but the combat itself is just rewarding when you're doing awesome stuff and feeling cool. And then when you're threading the needle... With those dodges, I've, I've talked about it before. You can just hold the dodge button and she'll flip around and, you know, you won't get attacked by a lot of stuff. But when you time it and you just barely do it, now you're sliding between people's legs, you're ducking, you're flipping over all these things by, like, the skin of your teeth. It feels so good. It feels so good and so right. And like I said, when I talked about the DLC, the main game... It's just you by yourself in this desolate world. It's a lonely experience, and that's the point of the game. The world is getting ravaged by the break. Then when you go into the DLC, and you meet up with another Tanta, and now you have a co-op experience in the Forspoken world, in the Forspoken combat, you are setting up attacks for your co-op partner to do. Your co-op partner is setting up attacks and shouting out to you to finish off the enemy with your cool ability because she just did this awesome thing. It's incredible. It's going to space and touring the rings of Saturn when you thought you were just going to fly to Japan. It's incredible. And the ending of that, it's even more mind-blowing in a story sense. Don't listen to the haters. If you love open worlds, if you love fun combat systems, if you love crazy fun traversal mechanics, you got to check out Forspoken. Get past that intro. Get out into the world. Get your first extra set of magic because that unlocks more traversal abilities. If you don't like this game at that point, I don't know what to tell you, because it blew me away. You know, I played it early, early in the year when it launched. It's still amazing now. It's my number two game. It's Forspoken. Man, there it is, everybody. The number twos are gone, and that leaves everybody's game of the year. Everybody's bestest, most epicest, most awesomest game. And we'll start it off with Ryan Peterson. This year, he chose... Backpack Hero as his number one title, and he says so much juicy roguelike goodness and even better in its 1.0 release. That sounds a lot like Moonlighter, and that sounds pretty cool to me, Mr. Ryan Peterson. I am so glad you enjoyed that game, and now maybe I have to check it out, because if you like it that much, it's worth looking at. It's definitely been on my Steam wish list for a long time. I've watched a couple streams that Ryan's done of it. It looks awesome. It's got to go in my list at some point. So I'm looking forward to that one. As I'm also looking forward to playing Steve's number one, which is Hard Space Shipbreaker. And he writes, 
Two years in a row, I'm giving the top spot to a simulation game. I've always been fascinated with outer space, and this zero-g physics game truly gives you a sense of floating around, trying to get some work done. If you act haphazardly, the physics will punish you, and that really helps keep it immersive. It's oddly satisfying taking something apart bit by bit in a strategic fashion, so you don't cause destruction or harm to yourself. What cinched the top place for me, though, was the storyline. You're just a number in this big corporation, treated like absolute dirt, and placed into an overwhelming amount of debt you can't possibly escape. You start to form bonds with other co-workers, only to have management tear you apart. The storyline wasn't popular with a lot of people, but it really resonated with me at the time. I would brew a coffee or grab a beer, head to the basement to play a few shifts, and just punch away at my work regardless of the environment around me. I think our favorite games aren't just about the game, they're about how that game fits into where you're at in that time of your life. This was my absolute favorite this year, and I'm still occasionally going back to it on second playthrough to put in a shift or two. Like I said, that one's been on my list. It's been on my Steam wish list. I think it's on my Game Pass list to play later. I've always been interested in Hard Space Shipbreaker. I didn't know it had a storyline. So you're getting me excited to play this eventually, Steve. I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. Indeed, good sir. Good on you. And of course, that puts me as the next, but not the last, to announce their first pick of the year they're number one you already know what it is unless you think i maybe got through boulder's gate which i didn't unless you maybe think i got through cyberpunk phantom liberty which i didn't unless you think i maybe got through armored core which i didn't uh (laughs) the list goes on okay but let me just say there's titles that maybe would have been somewhere but they're not my number one this year is final fantasy 16 and i'll tell you this matt was writing everything he said except for one tiny spot I think the ending, the fight and the area and the reason why the baddies were there and what was going on was fantastic. That story was really good. The only trouble with the ending was the actual ending ending, how it all came out at the very end. That was sad, dissatisfying in a way, especially when you spent all this time with these characters. And why that bugs me is because these characters were awesome. Joshua, Joshua, Jill. When, how many times did I come to you, man? When is he just going to grab her and kiss her? Uh-huh. What is going on? What is this man doing? Yeah. She is just waiting for it. She's over here just like prancing around waiting for the kiss. And he's just like, I got to find Joshua. I go, oh, Jill, Jill. Oh, yeah. 100% agree with you. There's so many times they're just standing there looking at each other. And I would yell at the screen, just kiss her. Yeah. And he would go, okay, well, I'll see you later. No. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go this way. Oh, my God, you two. For God's sakes. Sid phenomenal character just what a presence the entirety of the time he's there hanging out and doing stuff with you can't say enough good things about him later on when you get uh bahamut's character his whole little arc really cool off the side came out of nowhere a fun time i mean i just loved it and then the characters in the towns it the, the whole point of this is that i felt like the whole time i played this game i was watching a movie And now that does lead into one of the factual things you said. The game was easy. There was no point I had any trouble with anything. There wasn't even a moment where I was even remotely going to be challenged. But I wasn't in it for that anymore. Granted, it would have been great, sure. But I wanted to know what happened. I had to know what happened. I couldn't wait to get to the next icon scenario to see what they were going to do, see what they were going to throw at you, how they were going to make you play it out. Because every icon battle was different. They had different mechanics, different ways you had to interact and fight said icon. Just awesome. I'll never, ever forget the cool, easygoing, fluid combat, the icon battles, 
the whole relationship between Clive, Joshua, Jill, Sid, and, and all the other teammates you have along the way, especially in your uh, your little main town there, you know, they've all got their own story arcs. They've all got their own vices and issues that you actually help them, you know, figure out, fix up, do whatever as the story goes along. I mean, there's just nothing else to say. It hasn't already said a, a fantastic title. Music's just great. I loved it. I absolutely loved every day coming home and playing it. There was never a day, which happens to be a lot, where I go, ah, I don't know, man, not today. I'm not feeling it. Nope. It was, hey, I'm going to go play some Final Fantasy. That's what I'm going to go do. End of the game. End of the game. End of the game. So for that reason and all the other reasons I've said and what Matt said, that's definitely my number one of the year. It's still great because it did make you know the list for Matt, which is good. But it would have been great if we synced up this year. Just it wasn't meant to be, though. <laughs> Shoot. And there's a reason why we couldn't sync up, and it's not because of the number two. It's because of my number one. And my number one this year, it's the first game that I played this year. It's the first game that I played and beat this year. And it's a game that I've been hearing about for years and years and years. Years and years, and I finally put it on my New Year's resolutions to play, and I downloaded it, and I played it, and it was incredible. And I think the reason it takes the number one spot over some of these others, I can't say anything bad about this game. This game is 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Uh-huh. A masterpiece. Oh, man. I can't say anything bad about the story or about the battles because both sections of the game are incredible. Like, you start out just in the story, meeting all these different characters and trying to figure out what they're about. And, and obviously, it's told from 13 different perspectives. And what I love the most is that so many of them are so different from each other, not only in, like, the setting, but, like, what they're seeing and how they're seeing things. And they interact with the other characters, but in ways that, even if you play as Juro's section and you are trying to figure out what he's about, when he appears in other people's sections as you're playing as them, it makes you wonder what's going on with him. Even though you think you know, the way he's acting is totally different from how you think you know him. So every single scene, it's a puzzle. It's a mystery. What is going on here? And stuff goes goddamn crazy. It goes so much more nuts than you could possibly imagine. You already think you know how things are going to go, and then it just goes like Danganronpa or Steinsgate style off into outer space. I mean, almost literally in some cases. And it blows my mind every single time. There's a couple of moments that will always stick with me. Oh, uh, the bathroom scene? Oh, yeah, with Tommy and the, and, the, and the robot or whatever? Oh, Not even that, but when you first see it, when you're Natsuno. Okay. Yeah. And she is in there, and you're like, what in the hell is going on? Because you see the aftermath, uh -huh. and then you see like the beginning math, and then you're in it in her scene. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is when it's happening. What's happening out there? You don't even find out until somebody else's story much later in the game. It has so many little hooks and mysteries and amazing moments and amazing things. And what kills me the most, and not kills me, but like kills me in a great way, is this game is about teenagers. And at some point, they encounter these giant robots that they pilot. And you think, okay, well, it's, there's going to be a disconnect there. But no, even in the story sections, when you're playing as these little characters... When the Sentinels come in, it's big, and it's you can feel it. It's a 2D image on a screen, but you feel like this is an enormous, giant thing that's when you're playing with your good headphones on, and it's rocking your ears, and you're like, oh my god, look at this thing. And then they get in it, and then you go to the combat section, 
and everybody has their own sentinel, and you're leveling them up and unlocking new abilities for all of them in such different ways, especially if you're trying to maximize and go with, well, if you level him up here, he'll unlock this other skill. Once you maximize people in their own ways, everybody plays not totally different, but totally different from each other. And that's what I love about that section too, is I guarantee, I mean, unless we built the exact same way, your Tomy is going to be different from my Tomy. Your Juro is going to be different from mine. Your Megami is going to be different from mine. But that allows so much like organic storytelling. Ryoko, Ryoko Shinonome, the, the sickly girl in my playthrough, in every single scene, every single combat scenario that I launched her into, I built her mainly for long range but she has like the heavy knuckles as the backup. Mm. In every single combat scenario she was in, she had to go save the day with her heavy knuckles for me. Guarantee that didn't happen for you or anybody else who played it. This storyline of this is the team. This is the A squad. Yep, your A squad, your B squad. And when I can't use them, here's the B squad. But the B squad does things that A squad can't do, so they're actually really cool. You put the B squad in and this one because it's more long-range stuff. You put the A squad in because it's more up-in-your-face stuff. And even though that whole combat system takes place from overhead, wireframe, all your sentinels are just little Vs, all the enemies are just little icons on the screen. When you're fighting, when you're in combat, and you do one of your giant knuckles punches, it feels like two giant robots going at it. The sound effects are on point. You get like the little preview when you're choosing what attack to do. You get the little 2D preview of your Sentinel unlocking its rockets and then so you know what it's doing. And then when you see it graphically done on this wireframe top-down perspective, it sounds and it feels like it too. God, this game is... You were right. I'll give you props here. I've given you props before. You were 100% right. This game is a masterpiece. It's amazing. Every time that I see, you know, when I'm trolling on internet forums or whatever and people are going, what game would you play over again if you could experience it for the first time? Oh, yeah. My answer is always 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. I want to play this game again next year. Yeah. And again the year after that. Because I know there's stuff that even at the highest highs that are sticking out for me, I know there's stuff that I've forgotten. Oh, yeah. Awesome twists here and there, little moments here and there, character moments here and there. This game's fucking great, dude. Yeah, it, it, it was just amazing. It's just like you said, when I played that game, just the character interactions in the background people, they'd be like on the train there. And of course, you're not even paying attention to them. You don't care about them one iota. You're with two or three other characters. But you're like, oh, I just played that as this character. And I saw them too, but I didn't give a poop about them. I was worried about this and that. And just all the moments, connect, 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 connect. All the, all the interesting moments all connect they all come back and make sense there'll be moments that this game puts you and it does something actually difficult to do and you know you got to be brave it'll give you a scene that makes no sense mm-hmm. it'll go hey here's the next thing you're doing and you're like, what the hell what is even happening well i don't get it where am i what is this where place? am i what's what's going on i kind of sort of maybe understand who this might be but for different reasons it's like i'm not sure and it just leaves and that's that's tough because a lot of gamers are gonna be like I don't even know what the hell's going on. I'm done. Boop. But if you stick with it, it all comes back and it all comes together into something that's incredible and it explains everything it did and everything it does. God, what a good game. What a what a great game. And you're talking about the weird stuff and I talked about everybody's playthrough being a little different, everybody's storyline. Like Megami, 
with the cat. Oh, yeah. Before you even know what is going on with the cat, you're playing as other characters, and you're seeing her go, huh, there's a cat over there, and wander off. And you go, why did they animate that? What's going on? Well, you goddamn find out a whole hell of a lot later. Oh, it's just incredible. And there's nothing bad I could say about this game. Absolutely nothing. It was wonderful from start to finish. Like you said about Final Fantasy 16, when I was playing this, I had to play it. Every day I'd come home like, I need to play some more of that. I got to play some more of that. I, I have to. And then I finished it and I went, God damn, I want more of this somehow. And there's no more to be had. There's, there's challenge no battles, which is, which is cool. Yep. But I want more stories. I want more twists. I want more things to look at in the background of a scene and go, what was that about? I can't wait to find out what that was. Incredible. That's my game of the year this year. And before we close, who is your waifu? Tomi Kisaragi for me, hands down. It was Megumi. Every time she came on the screen, my breath was taken away. I went, oh. And then she's she's Jiro's waifu. Yeah. And he's like, I don't really like this. I don't like the situation. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is the greatest, just be the greatest day of your whole life. What are you talking about? And that whole relationship was just fantastic. Yeah. With Megumi and uh, Jiro and, and, and the others involved. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, but, but, oh, no, no. Oh, but, oh, my, oh, my God. That's so tragic and, and cool. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is great. Good stuff. Great game. Get out there, play it. God bless you. Absolutely. Could not recommend it more. But what about you out there in podcast listener land? If you're out there and you haven't submitted it, if you're not Steve, if you're not Ryan, what were your games of the year? Even just give us your favorite game of the year. It doesn't have to be in a big old format. Share the love with us. What's some games we've missed so far? Did you beat Baldur's Gate 3? Did you beat Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty? Are those on your list? Let us know. Send that to us via the email, thirdshiftme.gmail.com. On the Twitter machine, at thirdshiftme. Find us on Facebook, go to thirdshift. Hit the Discord, the Patreon. Hit up the stream. Hit up my house. That's fine. Come to my house with Games of the Year. Bring me a cake. We'll have it. We'll eat it together. We'll talk about awesome video games. I'll lend you a copy of 13 Sentinels. I'm going to start buying copies just to hand them out randomly to people. Hand them out. Just like candy to people. You got a Switch? Boom. 13 Sentinels. You got a PS4? 13 Sentinels. Boom. Go play this game. You can probably get it out of the cheap right now. I mean, I bet, you know, go get some five ninety nine copies over at the local dish, you know, trader store. But I'll tell you what, if you got time and money to do that, head on over to the Patreon, throw us a few bucks so we can go buy 13 Sentinels and give it out for free so everybody understands how great of a game this is. By golly. If you can't, that's fine too. Give us your favorite games of the year, just like Matt just asked for. Throw us any other information, mailbag questions you have. All of it is fantastic. All of it we appreciate. So get out there and do any of those things for us. Absolutely. And you should also listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on or around the 4th of January. I'm not even going to say what kind of show it is because I don't want to ruin Eric's good mood. But you can listen to that episode on iTunes and Stitcher on Poppy and on Spotify and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out. I really do appreciate it. Indeed, we do appreciate it. Thank you, all of you out there. It's been a great year. It's been a fast, crazy, wild year. We hope to see you and hear from you in the coming year for all the new shenanigans that we get up to in 2024. And until that time, until next year, there's nothing else to say but... Sit down. Joshua, Joshua, where are you at, Joshua? Jill, I like you, Jill. Yeah. We should kiss someday, Jill. God bless. <laughs>